Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. My name is Steve Sarley. I'm here with my partner, Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you a conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, in particular, St. Croix, the best rides on earth. Calcutta, makers of a lot of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. We've got your bass covered. They certainly do. Daiwa Reels. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available 24-7 everywhere you get podcasts. And don't forget that the website is wefishasa.com. You can listen to the show there or communicate with us. We Fish ASA is recorded in Chicago at two separate studios. We take the audio, send it on down to Lando Lakes, Florida, to our good friend, Brad Nearman. He's our executive producer at Berserk Productions. Uh, Brad and his wife, Miss Olivia, are due with their first child any day now. We wish them the best of luck. Hey, Olivia, hey, Brad. Hang in there. Things are going to be great. We can't wait to hear the news about the arrival of that baby. In today's show, we welcome Dan Johnston from St. Croix. He's going to talk about lure color selection. We're going to talk to Mark Mills. He's the uh, Senior Marketing Director for Daiwa. And then, a little bit different, instead of one major guest at the end, we're going to split it up and do two. These two guys both finished uh, in the top ten at the recent Lake Chickamauga tournament on the Bassmaster Elite Series. They did great. I like both of them. Got a couple questions I want to ask them. We're going to talk to Matt Robertson. Yeah, the guy who says, on him. Matt Robertson, and then from Wisconsin, Caleb Kufal. Caleb is about as hot as it gets. It's a new addition to the St. Croix staff, and we're proud to have him on as well. But first, let's flip it over to Dave Kranz, who's going to bring on our good friend Dan Johnson. Take it away, David. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is always brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. And they always bring us Dan Johnston. Dan, we've, we've never, I don't think we've ever uh, in recent time given your credentials, but you are the national sales manager for St. Croix, correct? Yes, sir. That is correct. And so you get to see a lot of things across the country. And, and I'll get guys that talk about um, different baits across the country, catching a bass in California or catching a bass in New York or Florida or the Canadian border or up in Canada. And, and they topic that always comes up is what color lure do you use you know it makes a difference doesn't it yeah it's a giant topic a giant topic and what i mean specifically is it can be forage in the lake for sure it can be water clarity for sure and sometimes it can be throwing the book out the window and doing something nobody else is so there, there's a lot to that topic, but you know, from from the tops of the trees, when we talk, and I'll, I'll, let me add another one: local lakes. For whatever reason, there's certain colors that just work, and nobody really knows why. I mean, there's there's lakes where they bite some color great, and you go to somewhere else, and the color, the water color is the same, the fish species are the same, they don't bite it as good. Explain that one to me. So you know, it, it, it's a giant topic, but you know, from the tops of the trees. Um, you know, nighttime clear water is using a lot of black. Um, dirty water 
there's two ways to look at it. Like, for example, spinnerbaits are using uh, painted blades, things that you can really find. Or you can use dark, like black, or on the crappie side, like a black and chartreuse or something like that. And then in clear water, it can be a lot more natural colors, shad, crayfish, translucents, more clear sides. Um, but then that depends on whether it's sunny or cloudy as well, and then also how windy it is. And, you know, generally speaking, the windier it is and the better they're biting, the better we want them to see it. So, it, again, it's a giant topic, but it's a great topic. It, it is, and uh, I think it was um, John Cox, I believe, is who it was. We had him on, and uh, uh, we asked him about color, about uh, what, what his favorite color was. And he said, well, um, my first choice is always green pumpkin. Uh, and for my second choice, that would be green pumpkin. And if they're not hitting that, then I, my third one's a green pumpkin. And, and I guess that's a good all-around color, and that was an interesting a- answer from him. But when the conditions are different, um, it, it can pay off, it, it, whether it's bass or crappie or walleye. And I think that one of the things that we can do is when you're not catching them, uh, what a great time to experiment with the colors. If you're using a light color and you're not getting them, well, why not try something that's got, uh, you know, something a little different to a darker color? Yeah, you know, who would be one to debate John Cox? I mean, <laughs> the, you talk about the ultimate hammer, right? But I will say this, and it would be interesting to hear his response. Green pumpkin's arguably the number one bass color in the in the history of bass fishing. However, if we're fishing, let's say, for example, Clearwater in a shad lake in the wind with sun, would we throw a green pumpkin stick bait? That's my point. Hmm, yep. So, you know, he's talking about a bottom bait and he could be talking about a trailer, a trailer on a bladed jig or a skirt color bladed jig. I totally get that. But there's other times where these the color spectrum absolutely matters. And, you know, for example, uh, there's times we really want those fish to see silver on the blades on a spinnerbait versus painted blades on a spinnerbait versus copper. So you can, there's a lot of ways to take this, but it, you know, and I would say the same thing to the, uh, the crappie angler too out there, you know, as we get closer to the spawn, they get real aggressive and some of the crappies get those war colors to them. Boogles do the same thing. And a lot of times I'm, I'm using the brightest, most aggressive colors that time of year. They don't want that thing around. They're trying to smoke it. Whereas other times where it's tough and we're in clear water and we want to use more natural colors when we're trying to lift and hold and fooling them and getting to bite it or in high pressured areas. So there's a lot of, a lot of things we need to think about here, but you know, the, the all time colors for bass fishing, John nailed the number one. I, I throw black blue right in that category. When you're talking about springtime and little dirty water, everybody's throwing that. And, and, uh, another great one, obviously is your chartreuse, you know, when you, whether you're talking about, you know, uh, chartreuse on a crankbait, whether it's the sexy shad or the pale blue with the chartreuse sides or all these classic chartreuse painted blades on a spinnerbait. I could go on and on. So, you know, we don't need one thing I will say, I, I personally, I don't go out and buy nine versions of black blue or nine versions of green pumpkin. I, I, I keep very few colors in my box, especially my bottom baits, but I don't throw one all year. No, and that makes sense. That 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 makes sense because you have you're covering a range of those colors with with uh, several different colors. Well, you are, and there's certain times. I mean, and call it confidence or history or whatever, but that black blue jig first thing in the spring when the water's a little off color and it's just starting to warm up. I mean, is is the juice and as it clears up and starts to warm up a little bit especially the crayfish start getting more active that brown green pumpkin really takes off um and then like when we get around the bluegill spawn 
what color swim jig you know there's two white because we can see it and they just seem to bite it really good but that bluegill colored swim jig flat out catches them and i've tried a lot of different colors on that there's a lot of green pumpkin purple a little bit of orange in that kind of a play on colors but there are different colors that will definitely outfish other colors but we don't need a hundred of them we need to stay in the general categories of the forage base that's in your lake for sure. Like you need shads and crayfish and those, especially with your jerk baits and crankbaits. But then you need your overall generic, hardcore, classic colors like black, blue, green pumpkin, and some version of a crayfish uh, and then a shad. Keep those color spectrums, but I wouldn't get too crazy within each one. No, that makes a lot of sense, and it, it narrows it down because you start going to the store and looking at 12 different colors and trying to pick one out is uh, is crazy. How about topwater? Can that make a difference for color? Yeah, it, it can. I mean, I tell you, one, a great example is putting a little bit of pink in for smallmouth and clear water. I mean, that's just a lethal deal. And then sometimes when you get a little bit of breeze and you're fishing real aggressive fish in either moving water or situations where, uh, and I'll say this specifically about largemouth, but some of the chromes work really well just because they can flat out see it, especially when a shad or high in the water column. And then you've got your bone, which is a classic topwater color. You know, it's funny up in Northern Minnesota, my favorite Zerospook color, I'm giving, I'm giving one up here to anybody listening that lives up there, but my favorite Zerospook color up in northern Minnesota is called Bullfrog. It's got a yellow bottom and a green top, and they smoke it compared to other colors for me up there. So I don't know why it could be because there are bullfrogs up there. It's more vegetation or the water color dictates it. I don't know what it is, but they really, really like it. So, you know, topwater, it can matter. But again, we don't have to get wild in the spectrum. You'll see people throw dark colors or light colors. And with the blades, it can be silver. It can be black, like the black bladed buzz bait with a black skirt on a cloudy day can be a really good deal compared to white. Yeah, and, and if you want to experiment a little, you can have the color of the, uh, like on a spinnerbait, the color of the blades, the color of the skirt, and you can uh, change the trailer or the type of trailer even, but certainly the color of trailer and, and uh, try to figure out what, what they want. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you can mess around with all these things on the color spectrum, but I will, I will say this, and it goes back to John's point, uh, that I am much less concerned, as long as I'm in the basic ballpark, Let's say I'm throwing a green pumpkin when the time's right or a black blue in the early spring or a shad color buzz bait in the fall with a big blade on it, whatever. I'm more concerned about where I'm putting that bait in my speed and the size of the bait over the color. I think if you get the, 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 the speed right, the size right, um, and the time of year right, I think the color is probably, in my opinion, third or fourth down that list in other words they'll bite the wrong color going at the right speed but it's very unlikely they'll bite the right color going at the wrong speed if your water's too cold and you're burning something or the converse yeah, so yeah. Th that, that i think that is important to understand it's same thing as falling in love with your graph and i get the forward facing thing you gotta stare at it but i see so many people fall in love with their graph with structure scan or side imaging and they're sitting there trying to figure this out so much that they're not watching their line anymore and that thing goes slack and it's swimming with you and they don't even know they're bit and i think it goes back to this color thing too sometimes we can overthink it but it's important to understand the general classifications 
Yeah, all all good tips, and and one of them I get uh, get people in my store in my retail environment in Northern Illinois, and and they're going on a trip, they're going somewhere, and they put six baits on the counter, and there's six different colors, and I said, no, what you want to do is pick three baits and bring two of each because one of them's going to work, or two of them are going to work, and you're going to lose it. And to your point of if you're doing the right thing with that bait and having a, a range of colors, a light. Uh, a dark and something in the middle of those. Uh, I, I think that's good advice too. But I, I think we're giving them advice that they uh, we're, we're helping them limit how much tackle um, uh, they really need to buy in a way. But but we're also helping them uh, be more successful, and that's what it's about. Yeah, the most important thing is just to be honest with people, you know. And I think if we get the general color classifications correct and we fish the bait the right way at the right speed, at the right size, at the right time of year, we're going to catch them really good. And that's the whole point of the podcast. And then you know what? Somebody's going to email me next week and bring up some color suggestion and teach me something that we'll maybe talk about down the road that you or I aren't even aware of. And that's the whole point of this is everybody's learning just to make each other better. Yep, absolutely. And and you got to do it. But yes, I, I like your point of uh, you be honest with them, you help them. And, and that's what we're trying to do with everybody. And we're trying to help ourselves get better. And we do. And I always appreciate having you on the podcast and I look forward to talking to you next week. Yeah, thanks so much, Dave. Look forward to it. Oh, thank you, Dan. That was Dan Johnson. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote. And this segment was brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Siley is remote. And this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. My next guest definitely has a passion for the outdoors. He has been in the outdoor industry for over three decades. He's currently the senior marketing manager with Daiwa. I'd like to welcome back to the program, Mark Mills. How you doing, Mark? Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me on. This is awesome. No doubt about it. Love being on this show so informative it's great talking and yeah thanks for having me oh no problem Daiwa is also one of our sponsors for the podcast and a proud industry member of the america sport fishing association and 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 uh 
Tell us a little bit of, you know, three decades in this industry. Tell us a little bit of why you got into this uh, this industry, Mark. You know what? That's the best question because nobody ever asked me that. And they're like, why do you get into it? You want to know why I got into it? And everybody will relate to this. When my dad would wake, wake, wake me up in the morning to go fishing when I was a little kid, really little, we're talking four years old, I wouldn't sleep all night. And I was like, well, how do I do that for a job? And... I did everything I could when I was growing up and going through school and college or anything to be involved in the fishing industry. But it was one of those things that if I could ever figure out, I was so excited to be, you know, going fishing. And if I could figure out how to do that as a job, I wanted to do it. Now, I didn't want to be a professional angler. I fished tournaments. I had one last weekend. But it was one of those things that how do I figure out how to do that as a job? And I've been very fortunate. There's only a handful of people in the industry. We all know who they are that were able to do that. And uh, I'm very lucky. And that's how I got involved. No, that's, that's awesome. I, I, uh, the same thing for me where, where I wanted to do it as as a, uh, a young person and, and definitely followed the passion of, of doing everything outdoors, whether that's fishing or hunting and being outside is, is awesome. So six years you've been with uh, Daiwa. Um, who else have you worked for in the industry? Well, you, you know what? I've been in the industry for 33 years to be exact. Um, I started my career in Dana Point Harbor working at the Sport Fishing Landing, uh, working on charter boats, cutting fish, tying hooks, you know, that stuff. And I couldn't do that only on the weekends. They had to go to school. And I got the opportunity down there to work in the office uh, and run their tackle store and ticketing and stuff. So I kind of got some office background. I do that during the week while after school. And then on the weekends, I'd work on the boats and do what all the young guys want to do on the boats, work, cut fish, keep the shirt off, you know, all that fun stuff. And then after, you know, being down there for about 15 years, I I got the opportunity to – uh, you know, get to know Dave Pfeiffer and Shimano. And I, I went over to Shimano and started doing their, their rod marketing and doing rod marketing for them. Uh, I worked for them for quite a few years. And then I did move on, um, went to Akuma and worked with Doug Laskow and the team over there uh, doing product development and uh, marketing for them. Um, you know, during, you know, the, the scenario when times got a little bit tough with the economy and stuff, I, I moved back and was a, a rep for the Dawn Coffee Company. Um, who repped Shimano and uh, worked for them for a, for a few years. And at that point, Shimano called me back and wanted me to come back and uh, to work for the manufacturer again on the marketing side. So I did. And then they decided to, to make a move out of Southern California to uh, Charleston, South Carolina, which is a beautiful place, just not a place that my, my wife and I wanted to move to. Uh, great place to visit, great fishing, you know, good food. Um, and at that exact same time, uh, Daiwa had the opportunity to, uh, they wanted to kind of change things up with the company and the brand. Um, and, uh, Trevor actually called me and, uh, here who's, uh, kind of, well, he was our, our president at the time. He's now a board member. Kerry Graves is our president now who actually came from Shimano as well. And they offered me to come over six years ago today. Actually, I, I came over, uh, to Daiwa. And um, their senior marketing manager, which also allows me to really, I have my hands in most of the product, uh, you know, research, product direction. I handle all the bags, gear, and clothing, as well as marketing. Um, and then, you know, I work a little bit with ASA and some of the other uh, industries of CCA. And it's just a great industry to be in, but that's kind of the synopsis of, of, of everything. 
Excellent. And, and, uh, and, and living your dream, that, that's even the best part of it. As you are in this industry, you have been in this industry, and, and what a great opportunity to, to do that. Now, uh, Daiwa, like everybody else, we, you know, the last couple of years, although our industry is, is thankful for the fact that we, we're viable and we're busy and we're not looking to get back to anything because we've beat uh, sales record after sales record, getting product in uh, the supply chain has been an issue and that continues to be, doesn't it? It does. It's still an issue getting uh, product, you know, and it's, it's not even at the point of, you know, I, I live here in Southern California. I look out on Long Beach and, you know, we saw the supply chain issues with the container ships and most of those container ships now are, actually down off Mexico. Uh, so we're not looking at them. So a lot of people think that the problem's fixed and it's not, it's just, they've moved them uh, outside of uh, visual lines of California, but um, it, it's still just a backup of production, you know, uh, overseas and, and everything in manufacturing. Um, so it, it is still a challenge. I was, we are hoping that it was going to be fixed this year. Um, I don't believe it is for any of the manufacturers and, you know, you may see it start to get better probably late third, fourth quarter. I don't think it's going to be fixed yet. Um, it all depends on what goes on uh, until next year. Um, products can be a struggle. Everybody's still dealing with the back orders from 2001 uh, and then all the future orders. Now, the fishing industry, you know, I would say I'm not using the word slowing down. It's, it's, it's a little bit more directed right now with fuel prices and stuff too. People want to go fishing. They're just going to pick the time when they want to fish a little bit more accurately than, hey, let's just go, you know. Um, so that's kind of my kind of, you know, snapshot of I, I think the way things are going to go. Yeah, inflation has been tough on every business to fuel prices for for sure. Um, yeah. But once you have the basic equipment on the fishing and the outdoors, you can get out there and do it, and it's not not too bad. Um, but yeah, that's it's it's been an issue. I I also have a store in uh, Northern Illinois, and uh, uh, we've dealt with it on the retail level here, and uh, uh, it's been it's been a challenge. But the the customers. If you can keep stuff in stock, you can sell it, and I think I'm pretty good at buying. And I and I try to work with companies that are also good at uh, what they do, like like the Iowa, and um, and I'm and I'm glad to uh, be able to do that. But the uh, the, the customers are um, uh, in some ways uh, new ones came into this two years ago, and and they're our kind of a upgrade customer now to where they they like it and they're coming back and they and they're they're buying a little bit more expensive items are you seeing that in your product mix or is it still whatever you can get you basically can sell we are actually we you know seeing that in the product mix on how that how that's going up you you have to remember one thing too dave is that not every person that's going fishing is a tournament angler there's still a lot of people fishing that want to put food on the table you know from you know freshwater you know the walleye and trout that kind of stuff uh crappie and then the saltwater guys on the end you know all the stuff so even though the economy starts to get a little tough with fishing, you know, you, you see, but there's still people want to go do it because they can go out and they can bring food home for a couple days. You know, that's important. But a lot of these anglers that went and bought combos and stuff are now, they, they, they have a passion for it. They like it. They're buying better stuff. Um, we're seeing the prices going up. Like you said, people want better stuff, higher quality. You also have to remember, too, that the boating industry, interest rates were good. Money was there. Tons and tons of boats were purchased. So no matter what, if you just spent, gosh, it's hard to say nowadays, $100,000 on a boat, that's about what a boat costs almost, um, 
those guys are going to use their votes because they're new and they want to do it. So, you know, it may slow a little bit, and I think the people who are still going to fish are just going to, you know, focus on a little bit better time uh, when it's not as windy and when, it, when the ideal conditions are around. Yeah, and I and you're right about the prices of boats and those people that made that kind of commitment to to getting into a sport. And there were many of them because in in a lot of cases, the last year to two years, uh, boats were a year out, like a, like everything else, they're hard to get, hard to get components for them. But um, but we, you're right, we have so many people that come in and 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 panfish and go catch uh, bluegills and crappies and perch and things like that. Um, you don't get the ice fishing in Southern California, but you know there's a, there's there's a the northern states do and and unbelievable as it is i just saw pictures from northern minnesota uh this morning of them still on the ice up there and and people down in florida and texas and california don't even think that but some of these lakes up there still have two feet of ice on them and they won't thaw until mother's day so um they continue to to fish and many of those people are are putting food on the, the table with the you know, pan-fried uh, uh, fish or deep-fried fish or Taco Tuesday or whatever they're doing, and they're, they're having fun, right? Yep. No, it's yeah, it. by all means. We all know our Taco Tuesday. You know you like going to Cabo, and so do I. We spend a lot of time down there, you and I. Oh, it's awesome down there, and it's awesome everywhere. Even even here, I'll be at a gravel pit tomorrow uh, uh, catching some bluegills for, for my Taco Tuesday here in Illinois. But the... Uh, where do you see the direction of the industry going overall? The uh, good, uh, neutral, or, or or negative? You know what? I, I still see it going good. You know, we're going to lose some anglers, no doubt about it, you know, because, you know, we're competing against, you know, with, with more and more opening up. You're competing again with soccer. It's, you know, um, softball and baseball and, you know, football and stuff like that with, with the kids. But, I will say this, the youth direction here in the past, I'm going to say five years is just amazing. I mean, we spend a lot of time, we do um, a lot of sponsoring of, you know, high school, um, middle school, um, college, we're involved with that. It's it's such a big new industry that, you know, nobody's really figured it out. You know, it's not like the, the basketball and the, and, the, and the football side, but there's so much collegiate and high school stuff going on on the fishing side that... I see those people getting more and more, and, and both, you know, boys and girls, it's going to really keep holding our, our, our direction in the fishing industry strong. It's it's a great thing to see. I mean, I wish I had that when I was growing up. We didn't have that. We really don't have that here in Southern California either because we don't have the fishery to do it. You know, we, we basically have our, our – my closest lake to me to go put my boat on is 74 miles away. It's an hour and a half drive. Coming home with traffic, it's three hours, so you better be committed. So we don't have the freshwater side, you know, in Southern Cal, but, you know, Northern Cal, you do, but we've got a lot of saltwater stuff. We're seeing more and more clubs together, like high school clubs and small fishing clubs. But where you guys have and most of the country, there's so much fishable waters that it just allows the youth, their friends are doing it, their friends are doing it. So I, I, I see it still growing. Um, and especially now with so many more boats out there too, um, you know, there's plenty of really nice people that you know, donate their boats at time during the weekends for the collegiate and the junior high and the high school kids. So I just see it keep, keep growing. You know, we'll lose a little bit, but nothing, you know, dramatic. No, and I and I agree with you on all of that with the high school, and definitely appreciate having you on the podcast again. It won't be the last time. And look forward to uh, the next time that we get to uh, uh, go fishing or see each other or podcast. It's it's all awesome, and uh, thank you for being on again. 
no problem. We love it. Hey, keep fishing Daiwa Tackle and uh, well, we're doing our stuff. I'm doing, you know, doing the podcast with you, so give me a shout next time. Excellent. That was Mark Mills. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote. And this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta. We're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I am Steve Surley. My partner Dave Kranz is remote. We're going to do something a little bit different today. Uh, we normally do the last two segments with one superstar angler. There's so many tournaments going on, so many guys winning, that I need to break it up and have two guests out at the end because two of the guys that we really like on this show and are, are just excellent, excellent fishermen, both performed extremely well down at Lake Chickamauga. Uh, in the past week on the Bassmaster Elite Series. Uh, uh, Caleb Kufal, who'll be on later, finished fifth. But with us right now is a guy I really like. He's the one that wears that Anum logo on his hat. He is the one and only Matt Robertson. Welcome, Matt. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Happy to be here. And, uh, yeah, doing good after this past week. I- I'll ask you this. You, fin- you finished fourth. And you got a check for twenty five thousand. I and almost everybody listen considers that a victory to me. That's pretty gosh darn good. What was it a victory to you when you got in that night? Did you did you pour yourself a little ten cup whiskey and celebrate, or do you feel that you that you lost? Um, I feel I feel like you don't get the opportunities to win um, that often. You know, going into that final day like that and. I was a little disappointed that I didn't win, but, but man, I literally went out there and left it all out there. I uh, went fishing for big pre-spawn fish, and, uh, yeah, that last day I came up one bite short. And, I mean, whenever you can do everything you can do, you got to be, you know, somewhat pleased, but still, deep down, you know you wanted to win. Win for sure. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. 
That, that didn't answer the question as to whether, whether he had a little taste of Ted Cup or not. I did. I sure did, but it wasn't for a victory. All uh, right. Yeah, yeah. You just uh, just tasting good, that's all. It doesn't have to be for celebration. Just uh, just enjoy right. enjoy a good a good product. And uh, the funny thing is, Ted Cup is not a Tennessee whiskey, and you're, you're down there in Tennessee doing this, so... Uh, that that probably uh, riled up the locals to hear you saying that. Oh yeah. Um, well, I will say yeah, it's a it's a Colorado whiskey, but uh, Tin Cup is uh, the you know the official whiskey of bass fishing. So um, you know the Tennessee people are good with it because they know uh, know what they do for the sport and whatnot. There you go. Um, but yeah, phenomenal whiskey. I talked about your hat with the logo on them. I think that is incredible how much attention Anum has gotten as a brand, as a logo. How is that working out for you? Man, it's honestly working out great. Um, it, it's it's amazing how uh, how the fans and the people take to it. It's something everybody says, you know, are you on them? And, uh, yeah, I think it's a good representation for the people, and it's uh it's fun, you know, and it's working out really well, and I, and I love that the people love it. Oh, they do. They they really do. And if you want to check that out, look up Matt Robertson on Facebook, and it'll direct you to where Anum logo products are available, right? That's right, onumfishing.com. Onumfishing.com. Excellent. Uh, talking about this, uh, you know, winning and losing and all that, I ask you a question in all seriousness. Uh, we've talked before. Well, here, let's start out with this. Th- this particular tournament, Lake Chickamauga, because of the time of year and the water temperatures and the fish movements, did not play to your strengths, did it? No, you know, the uh, the water's warming up, and they were. I knew they were pushing us to spawn. A lot of people say the, the fish wait for the water to come up there, but it's not true. There's still a big wave that spawns before the water comes up. And, uh, yeah, I was catching the last of the free spawners before they get ready to go up there and make beds. Hey, and, and you got some big fish. Yeah. Um, caught some big ones. First day had three over six. Second day had a couple fours and an eight. And, uh, last day had a five and it just, you know, I got fortunate each day to catch some big ones. Uh, but that's what, that's what you do on Chickamauga is, uh, you catch a couple big ones every day and that's what gets you through the tournament. So, so you really have to go fishing for big bass on that pond. You know, I said, I said, you're one of the most popular guys on the tour and you really are. Uh, uh I, I watch you at, at a, at a fishing show or I'll see you at, uh, uh, I'll see you down at ICAST in July, and you'll be like the Pied Piper. You're walking around, and people are following you like uh, like your Tiger Woods at the Masters, and they all want a piece of uh, they all want a piece of the uh, Anum experience with Matt Robertson. What about on the water? A lot of times in certain places, fishermen have a hard time because the locals are getting too close or too crowded up to them. Uh, do you find that a problem because of your popularity? Are you are you jammed in by by locals' boats? No, I, I don't find it too bad. I mean, that's one thing. Um, I know some guys complain about it, but you have to realize it's part of the sport. People want to spectate. People want to watch you. And, 
And I feel like if you're complaining about that, you're part of the problem because you got to understand and appreciate those people. They're the fans. And they're, they're just everyday people like myself. And I think that's why a lot of people relate to me is because I'm just the average Joe that, uh, you know, is fortunate to have this opportunity to, uh, to make it to the top level. And it doesn't bother me a bit. They can be, they can be out there and they're, they're pretty respectful. So I can't really, I'm, I can't say anything bad about the spectators. I, I think that, uh, that that your popularity plays a part in that. I bet you draw an awful lot of boats, but I also believe that because of who you are, if if you yelled out and said, hey, hey, hey dudes, g- give me another 20 yards, they, they'd all be quiet and back off because they're all in your corner. They're not trying to jam you. Uh, they want to see you do well. That's why they're there. And, and I think that uh, unlike other guys, they, they would cooperate with you and, uh, I, I don't think you'd have any problem with that at all. No, no. They're, the fans are great. They're there because they want to see you do good, no other reason. And, uh, yeah, they're pretty respectful, pretty respectful. All right, you head, you're heading down to Chickamauga. And like I said, this is not going to play to your strengths. In all honesty, and, and I know you're nothing but honest, are you going in there with the mindset, I'm going to try to win this thing, or are you saying, I want to get in there. I want to cash a check. No, I went into it. I grew up on the Tennessee River, just the far other end. And and I knew if I spent my whole time fishing offshore or throwing a big swim bait, I knew what type of opportunities could present itself. And, uh, you know, that's, so that's what I went and did. And there's certain ones, you know, whenever one plays to your strength, Whenever you go to a body of water that can play to your strength and you don't go for the win, um, it's a mistake on your part. And I wasn't about to make that mistake. I don't care what kind of water it is. I, I, and is, uh, I don't know you all that well, but I don't see Matt Robertson as being a guy who gets in a boat uh, and his goal is just to cash a check. I, I got I to gotta figure Matt Robertson wants to win every time he turns that motor on. Absolutely. Like there's, I don't believe there's not a body of water I can't win on. Um, I've won on some diverse fisheries and done well on, uh, you know, totally different fisheries. Um, so we go to, we go to win every time and that's all there is to it. go out there. I've heard of guys going out there trying to cash a check. And, uh, whenever you try to cash a check, you fall short and you never do end up cashing a check. Whenever you fish the wind and you fall short, you know, you still cash a check when falling short of the wind. Right, right. You know, it's uh, it's it's great. I, I look at it. Uh, uh, this elite tournament paid down to sixty seventh place, twenty five hundred dollars down to sixty seventh place, and it's kind of foolish if you think, "Hey, I want to finish in the top sixty seven. You know, I'll put a smile on my face if I finish sixty seventh and come home with twenty five hundred. No, you you you'd be disappointed if that happened. Granted, you're not going to give the money back. But it's not what you're looking to do. You didn't accomplish your goal. Exactly right. Hey, what and, talk- uh, Yang, you know, you're fishing for points, getting to the classic next year, and you have to perform to do that. And being mediocre isn't going to get you there. Nope, nope, not at all, not at all. But you know, you are uh, you are traveling in some uh, pretty good company. Uh, I don't know how this worked out, but uh, you know, all all anglers seem to to run in little packs and. Uh, uh, they'll uh, they'll uh, uh, 
you know, plan out their practicing together and, and share a little bit of information. Uh, and then, then you see them kind of grouped up at the end because everybody's on the same page. Uh, they all finish close to each other. You have been traveling and working with that band of Canadians, uh, Johnson Johnson, Gustafson, and uh, from Minnesota, Seth Fighter. First of all, how did you hook up with those guys? Answer that first. Yeah, how did you hook up with those guys? Um, well, me and Seth became friends about three or four years ago. Uh, before I made it to the Elite Series, we just kind of, you know, we met and kind of hit it off and uh, had a mutual friend, Pat Renwick, on um, Straycast. And oh, yeah. Uh, we met and become, yeah, we met and become friends and, uh, and I qualified for the Elite Series and, I think he kind of told them, hey, boys, we're going to have another roommate. And uh, uh, at the second tournament, I started rooming with them. And, yeah, I don't know how a southern boy gets roomed up with three Canadians and a northerner, but uh, but it did, and I wouldn't change it for anything. It's a great group of guys and a uh, heck of a group of anglers. I, I don't think I have to tell that to anybody. Oh, man, those guys, those guys can't all fish. But I, I got to tell you, you got to watch out because – now that you've spent a full season doing this, you're get you're sounding more Canadian the more I talk to you. My wife says the same thing, so I don't <laughs> know what's going on. I'm gonna have to really watch my P's and Q's. Like you'll hear a Canadian redneck accent come out every once in a while, and I'm gonna tell you something. I don't know how it happens, but it will rub off on you a little. Oh, I I, I can definitely imagine if 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 you and I talk for another 15 minutes, I would sound just like you. So. It just happens. Hey, tell tell me we we talked about this before. You blew my mind. You are the only professional fisherman that I know of that is sponsored by Ugly Stick, the number one selling fishing rod in the world, but not considered something that the top pros use. You're still on them with Ugly Stick, right? That's right. You know it. Whenever I qualified for the Elite Series, I qualified using, uh, you know, what a, you know, lower price point rods and and whatnot, and and yeah, man, I used ugly sticks. And whenever I qualified, uh, you know, I talked to them, and uh, you know, everything worked out pretty well, where I could keep on using uh, the same stuff that I've been using for years. And uh, man, the ugly stick carbons are eighty bucks. Seven-year warranty. You break it, send a picture, and get a new one. I mean, and I'll be honest with you, you're not sacrificing any anything whenever you use one of them. You know, as far as performance is concerned, and yeah, all awesome rods, awesome rods, absolutely fantastic. I think you are absolutely fantastic, Matt Robertson. I enjoy watching you. I enjoy following you. I'm going to keep my eyes out for that Anum hat to be up on the stage more often than the guy wearing it's going to be getting handed big checks and big trophies. Uh, we'll be with you again soon, hopefully. Go go have a great season, win a few more. I appreciate it, and I appreciate you having me on there. We're going to, we're going to give him heck this year. You go get him, Matt Robertson. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Take care. Matt Robertson. For most anglers, the unexpected is expected. But what you can do is take matters into the seat of your, well, shorts. 
Meet Aftco's Overboard Shorts, winner of the iCast Best in category for technical clothing. Built with a 100% submersible pocket that keeps the unexpected dry dock for the other guy. Overboard keeps the good times rolling and your valuables safe for the next adventure. Overboard Shorts from Aftco. Learn more at aftco.com slash overboard. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth, St. Croix. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I am Steve Sarley, and I am happy to welcome our next guest. He's one of the uh, bright young stars on the uh, professional bass fishing tournament trail. He's a Bassmaster Elite Fisherman and if you have ever heard me use the phrase hot stick, it certainly applies to this guy. He's one of the hottest sticks around. Please welcome Caleb Kufal. Hey, Caleb, how are you? Hey, doing well. Thanks for having me on. All right, let me straighten one thing out quick. I remember the last time I had you on, which was a year ago, when you won that uh, big event at Gunnersville and you made everybody sit up and, and all of a sudden they all know who Caleb is because uh, you went to one of the uh, most magnificent fisheries in America and, and you led that thing from start to finish. It just absolutely devastated the field. Uh, that was the first time we had John. was just about 11 months ago, and since then you've captured a second win. You just had a, 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 a great tournament down at Chickamauga. You did not win, but it came off a second-place finish at Santee Cooper and, and in the last 12 months, there's nobody out there that I think is fishing as well as you are. How do you feel? I feel pretty good. Uh, you know, I've been fishing really well the last couple of weeks. Uh, had a little bit of a rough start towards the beginning of the season. Um, you know, I, I just barely made the cut in the first one at St. John's, and then I had a really bad tournament at, at the Harris Chain. So really excited to turn things around and, you know, get things headed in the right direction. You know, I'm back up in points. So, you know, just looking forward to the rest of the season. All right. I am looking forward to watching you the rest of the season. Oh, the thing I wanted to get straightened out was a year ago when I had you on, I introduced you and said you were a Wisconsin fisherman. You said, I'm actually from Minnesota. Let's get that started. Where are you from exactly? I'm from a small town in southeast Wisconsin called Maguanago. It's uh, probably about a half an hour west of Milwaukee. So, so that's my hometown. Did I say you were from Minnesota last time and you corrected me then? Was that what it was? Yeah, but, yeah, I believe so. So have, Wisconsin through and through. I've never even been to, to Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> never been to Minnesota. Wow, I'll tell you what, that's... Uh, uh, you, you won't, uh, you, you don't want to bump into those Viking fans and give you a hard time, obviously. 
You know, uh, this is amazing how there are more northern fishermen getting involved and having some success. Uh, this tournament you just competed at Chickamauga, uh, the big fish of the tournament was caught by a Wisconsin uh, young man. Yeah, Patch Lapper uh, ended up getting big bass. Actually, he has gotten big bass in the last two events. Uh, <laughs> he had big bass as well in at Santee, I believe, as well with another 10-pounder, close to 10-pounder, uh, something like that. So, yeah, really excited for him. He's had a number of really good tournaments, too. So, you know, it's good good to be uh, a Wisconsin guy right now. Um, Jay Shakurit as well. He's re- leading the uh, the Rookie of the Year, and he's our other Wisconsin guy. So. Yeah, he, he's, a, he's a black sheep in the family. I know his dad real well. His dad's a very successful walleye fisherman, and, and, and uh, he, he won't say it out loud, but you got to figure he shakes his head and goes, where did I go wrong? How did he turn into a bass fisherman? Yeah, he. I know his dad a little bit too. Not not too well, but I've met him, you know, over the years and stuff. But I mean, it, it just comes down to it. I mean, uh, bass fishing is just more fun. I so. think. I think it's great. I think it's absolutely fantastic. All right. So so what has Caleb Kufal done to make this incredible leap? into what you're doing right now is, is is are you doing things different is it a matter of confidence is it a matter of technique is there no difference at all things are just working out for you what is it i, I think it's mo- mostly just uh you know confidence in doing what i'm doing right now uh especially in the last two events uh, they just set up really well you know in my wheelhouse you know when i can get out there and you know flip a jig shallow um on visual targets i mean that's you know it doesn't get any better than that for me so you know just just fishing in your comfort zone you know things that you like to do and that you're good at um you know and having confidence in it you know that's just the that's the main thing you know and and really any fishing you know you got to have confidence in what you're doing i want to talk to you about this uh, chickamauga tournament which was uh odd to say the least and we all know that weather is such a big factor in fishing, uh, you know, good, good or bad, it's a matter of changes, and you know, it, it, Mother Nature's always throwing little curveballs at you, and and you certainly got it this time because it was tough getting out on the water the first couple of days because the fog was so bad, right? Uh the fog really it wasn't that bad. Um, the 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 third and fourth day, I believe, we had the the most fog, especially, I believe, on the fourth day I was running down the lake. And uh, I, I fished an hour or so up the lake, and then I went down the lake. And even after an hour, um, I had to slow down considerably because uh, we were having a you know a lot of fog that was rolling through. So um, it was somewhat of a factor, but not in my game plan. It really didn't didn't play too much. Okay, fair, fair enough. That fog, fog always scares me. And obviously, uh, fog is, uh, is predicated by temperature. Um, I, I, I'm no weatherman, but I, I think I'm correct in saying that. Uh, what does what effect does fog have on the fish and the fish's reaction? Well, I mean, I, I don't think it has much uh, much to do with you know the the fish and how they react. I mean, just the weather in general. You know, it going down to. Uh, I think the the third and fourth day was in the 30s, you know, when we launched. And I think primarily everybody was, with a few exceptions, you know, we're fishing shallow. So, um, you know, that can really affect those shallow fish, you know, getting down that cold. And, you know, surprisingly, I was actually surprised at how good the bite was, especially on day three. 
um, my mornings were always really slow. I was always, you know, it was just a grind in the morning to get any kind of bites going. But once that, that weather started to warm up a little bit, um, you know, even with, with the lack of sun, uh, you know, it was just enough to, to boost the, that temperature just a little bit, that water temperature, uh, to get those fish fired up. So. I know that uh, I, I know that uh, recreational fishermen are, are listening. I want them to pay attention because you know we talk about you just said warming up, and a lot of people will say, "Oh, I'm going to go out fishing. It's only uh, it, it's 55 degrees out, and uh, I'm not going to go out. I'll wait till next week until it's a little bit warmer and go out." But from talking to you guys in the pro ranks, the, the average guys don't realize that if, if the temperature just goes up a couple, maybe two, four degrees, that can trigger fish or can move them real quickly to where they're supposed to be. It doesn't have to be a 10 or a 15 degree change. The, the smallest changes in temperature have a major impact. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, like down there, the, the, you know, the, the latter days of the tournament, especially, you know, it getting down really cold, um, you know, just the, the difference of, of two, you know, three degrees throughout the day, um, can, can really get those fish fired up and moving. Um, you know, I've, I've, it, it really played, it was really evident this last week that, that that was the case, you know, in the morning I'd start out on my starting spot. It would be, you know, about 56 to 58 degrees. And, you know, by the afternoon we'd be looking at right around, you know, 60, 61, um, in the areas that I was fishing and, you know, it just really, you know, was enough to, to fire those fish up. I actually had a, a pretty decent afternoon bite, um, pretty much all days of the tournament, except the fourth day, um, where pretty much everybody was, was struggling on that fourth day. Um, but ironically that was our, you know, that was when the, the water temperature was going to warm the most was on the, the last day because we had the high skies and no wind. Um, but you know, it, it was either going to do one or two things, you know, it was either going to make the fishing really good or really bad. And it, it went the opposite way. Yeah. So. I would, I would have never figured that. I was really surprised by those last day totals. Uh, and, and you know what? So we're telling people go, go out there and pay attention to the thermometer and, and don't, you don't have to have a, a gigantic change. Watch for the little things. It, it'll happen. So get out there and fish. And the other thing is, you know, get out there and fish. I looked at uh, your Facebook page and there's pictures of you doing a little bit of bank fishing on your week off. I'm going, here. here's a guy that's pulling this, uh, you know, un incredibly cool, uh, highly powered bass boat, and you're bank fishing on your time off. It's telling me that everybody needs to go fishing. Whatever kind of fishing it is, get out there. Have a rod in your hand. Yeah, yeah. We ended up uh, going down to a little pond uh, on our day off. Uh, me, uh, I was actually staying with Jay Shakurt and Alex Redwine. Uh, we rented a, a B and B pretty close to the ramp there, and uh, there was just a small little pond, uh, you know, right by the house, pretty much. And and uh, we had our day off, so we went down there, and um, you know, most of the fish that we caught were were small, except for. Uh, Jay caught one giant. It was like a five or six pounder or something like that. It was probably the only one in there, but you know, everything else was, you know, 12, 13 inches, but we had a fun, we, we had, you know, caught a bunch of them and, uh, you know, just had a blast doing it. Hey, you're catching, you're catching fish. You can't be on Chickamauga or Gunnersville all the time, but you need to be on the water. It, it improves your skills. Uh, and, and heck, uh, 
catching fish is better than watching TV or reading the paper. So everybody get out there. These pros do it on their day off, and, and it doesn't have to be uh, big fish and big water. They're just out there fishing. Hey, a big big news for Caleb Kufal. Recently, uh, We Fish ASA and Caleb share a sponsor. Uh, you're using St. Croix Rods. Yeah, I j- actually just got hooked up with them. Uh, you know, really excited to be to be running those uh, this year. I, you know, I've been running them pretty much, you know, since I got into fishing, you know, long, long, long time ago. Um, and, you know, I've used them, you know, pretty exclusively the last, you know, bunch of years, especially since I get into, got into tournament fishing. So, um, you know, really excited to be with them. I went up to the, the Park Falls um plant late last year and, and met up with a bunch of guys up there and uh you know took the tour um you know highly recommended if you ever get up there to take the tour around the plant and see how the rods are made and uh just a you know great bunch of people and and you know great rods great product that they turn out excellent excellent and uh i think i think uh using them all the time is just going to add to your uh, your totals you're, you're making some good money now i i just looked at your at your total stats and you just broke the thousand pound mark on uh, uh, amount of fish, amount of weight of fish weighed in in professional competition. I was like, hey, thousand pounds of bass, how cool is that? I think that is absolutely great. And uh, uh, what's the rest of the season look like for you? Is there any particular location that you're looking forward to hitting? Uh, I mean, I'm looking for the next one for sure. I think everybody is, you know, we're going to Lake Fork down in Texas and, you know, that's just a big bass factory. And, uh, I've been there, you know, the last two years, obviously with the elite series and, um, you know, I just enjoy going there like everybody does. So I'd say that probably would be the one that I look forward to the most, but, um, you know, honestly, you know, you look forward to them all, uh, look forward to getting up North, uh, obviously, uh, close to the house here, going to lacrosse, uh, that'll be our last, last event of the season. And, uh, you know, that's just going to be an absolute, you know, slug fest up there. I think in August, it, you know, that river is just chock full of fish and it's going to be a blast. So. I, I agree. You, you know what? You're a good man. I enjoy watching you. I enjoy following you. Uh, wish you the best of luck. Hey, you know what? Uh, you are d- definitely in the running for Angler of the Year. Would love to see you pull that off. I'm happy you're with our good friends at St. Croix. Everything is pointing up for Caleb Kufal. Caleb, thanks for being with us, and hopefully we'll check in with you again real soon. Take care. All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Anytime. Take care, Caleb. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best start fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank today's guest, Dan Johnson from St. Croix, Mark Mills, Senior Marketing Manager from Daiwa, and then Bassmaster Elite Pros, Matt Robertson from Kentucky, and Caleb Kufal from Wisconsin. They both just had exemplary finishes in the Bassmaster Elite Series Tournament on Lake Chickamauga. Excellent job, guys. Excellent job. I'd like to thank our sponsors. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion. And Daiwa, we've got your bass covered. They sure do. Daiwa Reels. Remember that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our podcast each and every week. It's available 24-7 everywhere you get podcasts. Don't forget to check out our website, wefishasa.com. You know, if you like what you hear, please let us know. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about or someone we ought to have on the show, please let us know that too. 
I'm Steve Surly. My partner is Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week. Now, let's go fishing. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.